Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today's show is actually a rebroadcasting of an interview that I did last month uh, for a conference that I was invited to. And my two guests are Tim Lancaster, who's with Indigo Bioautomation, and Mark Perkins, who's with The Binding Site. And our chat really focused on the partnership between these two companies, bringing artificial intelligence and mass spectrometry together to make a significant leap in the world of multiple myeloma. I had a really good time uh, with this conversation. I learned a ton about this technology and about the world of multiple myeloma, and I really think you'll enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's hop in. Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SCP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. All right, guys. Thank you so much for uh, letting me sit in and kind of guest interview uh, here at the conference. Tim, to get us started, do you mind telling everybody a little bit about you and kind of your background? And Mark will do the same after after Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I got my start doing software uh, back before software was a thing. Uh, my dad was a little concerned that I had a future uh, when I first began back in the late 90s, right, when things were getting started. But I've always been in clinical uh, life science software. I uh, started with about 14 years of Beckman-Coulter. Uh, doing various application development, ultimately leadership there. Uh, and then in, for the last 10 years, I've been to Indigo, leading up their technology efforts, as well as some strategic and operational type concerns as well. Awesome. All right, Mark, same question. Yeah, great. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, so I started out as a, as a bench scientist. I have a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences, and I was working for the best part of 10 years in pharmaceutical space. And then um, Seven years ago, I took the move to move over into the diagnostic industry, but in a more commercial role. And so now I'm um, the global head of mass spectrometry business development at Bind Insight. And I lead up the, the commercial and research development for one of our new product lines. Made the move into diagnostics because pharma is a frustrating space when you don't really get to ever see the, the products come to life. You know, most people I was working with could be 20 years in the industry and never have a product come to market. And that that just oh, wasn't wow. for me. Yeah. And now you're you're dealing with the other side of the frustration of bringing your product to market, <laughs> which is always fun, right? It's never challenging. <laughs> no, no. But, it, but at least you get them there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So tell me a little bit about kind of the partnership between the, you know, the binding site and Indigo. Why was this partnership important for uh, the product that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes? Binding site is a company. We're, we're a diagnostic company that specializes in multiple Myeloma Diagnostics is, is one of our key product families. We licensed some technology from the Mayo Clinic back in 2016 to bring forward um, a, a new platform for mass spectrometry detection of a particular protein marker that's a, well, a, it's a marker for, for multiple myeloma. When we looked at the product that we'd licensed, we, we could see masses of potential for it in terms of how it could shape the diagnostic pathway for myeloma patients. What we were really concerned about was, was how we would automate that so that it would make it broadly applicable for the clinical laboratory. And, and we looked at this and, and we saw some core elements of that. And, and two parts of it were, were the instrumentation and the hardware. 
but also was a, a key factor for us was how do you take something as complex as a mass spectrometry workflow and make it suitable for everybody in the clinical lab? And we, we rapidly realized as part of the development process that we were going to need uh, some software. And, and we were going to need that software to do a couple of things, to, to manage the data review and the, the data review pipeline to make it palatable for non-mass spectrometrists to want to work with this product, uh, and also to control quite a complex workflow. And, and, and that's really where we, where we found uh, Tim and the team. I guess it evolved from initially looking at the, 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 the data review uh, side of things to, to being a more holistic project. Oh, very cool. So, I mean, Tim, tell me about like how you guys came together. So, you, uh, Mark, you're mentioning the, the data review. I'm assuming the kind of the review of the science is kind of how this kind of came together. I guess from our side, we were looking for we were looking for a partner that was, was ultimately a specialist in, in, in automation of mass spectrometry data review. And I actually think we were recommended uh, to talk to Tim and the team by one of our existing customers, in fact. Right. So, yeah, part of the story here is that uh, we weren't looking for any kind of project like this. This isn't what we <laughs> normally do. We have our own products, but we do have a, a real passion for really bringing what is otherwise a very complex uh, set of measurements and systems and bringing it into more democratized state. And so we've been investing in that in our own products, trying to, uh, you know, main areas in clinical toxicology and uh, along with some other areas where mass spec is used pretty heavily. And we've learned a lot along that journey on how to make that review, not just approachable, but actually in many ways have the computer do a lot of heavy lifting uh, and maybe able to bring that, that technology to a less sophisticated, less trained audience, and therefore a wider audience in a lot of cases. And so this has been a mission for us for a while. And we were recommended by one of our actual mutual customers that said, hey, you really ought to talk to them. And so they kind of called us out of the blue, said, we'd, we'd like you to consider doing this. We looked at what they were up to. Uh, the mission they were on, the importance of it as a technology for the space, and decided that even though it was you know, not normally what we would do, that it fit within our, our broader mission of what we wanted to do as a company and the people that work here, the way that we feel about um, what we do and trying to take software and really absorb some of the complexity out of what otherwise is an unreachable set of technologies. Um, and that, again, as Mark said, he, they came to us originally to do signal processing and that sort of thing, trying to make sense of these very complex peaks on tops of peaks kinds of signals that were coming off of these systems. And then that's blossomed into us being able to apply more of our, our learning over time, which is how do you take broader technology like robotic automation and these other systems and also make that a little more approachable for uh, an audience that that's not what their main gig is every day. Their main gig is to try to really take care of these patients and report results out, um, not necessarily get a robot to do the right thing. And so it, it's really become a, a more holistic project for us. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, so I, I kind of want to dive into the problem space a little bit. Mark, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, you know, expand on maybe the, the problem statement for uh, the product Accent IQ, you know, where this came from? So as I mentioned previously, we're, we're all about multiple myeloma diagnostics at the binding site. And, and for those that aren't familiar with myeloma as a disease, it's essentially a, a cancer of, of the B cells in your bone marrow. And these are very specialized cells that produce antibodies. And so antibodies have been in, you kind of moved in the last two years without hearing about antibodies in the news and how important they are. And what essentially happens is one of these B cells becomes malignant. And it starts to produce the antibody that it's pre-programmed to produce in masses of excess quantity. 
and that actually moves out into the into a patient serum. If it's not caught early enough, then then having that amount of protein can cause all sorts of different damage to, to a patient, either through the through their kidneys or through um, accumulation of the different tissues. And so what a hematologist is looking for when they're looking for multiple myeloma is they're looking for the presence of this monoclonal protein in, in the patient serum. And the way that's diagnosed today is using really technology that's been around since the 1930s. It's using this, these techniques called gel electrophoresis. And there's various different forms of this electrophoresis, but, but they all suffer from the same drawbacks in that they're, they're pretty insensitive pretty difficult to interpret um and, and you often need you know extremely specialized staff that, that that are able to take some of this output uh, and interpret it it doesn't really well describe the patient's disease but at the same time it is the best that we've had for, for decades in terms of being able to to describe monoclonality and a mass spectrometrist will only tell you everything that they do is really easy in a chance meeting in 2016 some of the team were with some of the guys from the Mayo Clinic's mass spec unit. And one of our colleagues, Dave Barnage, who works in our research lab in Rochester, was talking to some of the, the hematology team. And they were kind of saying, oh, if only we had a better way, a more sensitive way, um, a really more specific way of accurately describing these monoclonal proteins, then we think we can really revolutionize this space. And, and that was really where the Exent product was born, because Dave, being the simple mass spectrometrist, was like, yeah, simple mass spectrometry can do that. And so the kind of product idea was born. But what we had then was a nucleus of an idea. And then what started from 2016 was this product development journey we've been on since then to, to try and work out, so it's okay having this idea, but it's not okay if the only way you can get that to market is to have a Dave Barnage in every lab around the world who's highly specialized in running this type of analytical workflow. And so we, we took a step back from that and said, yeah, we've got a great core of a product here, but, but how do we address some key critical products um, issues that we saw along the way. And that's when we really started to look at automation, data automation, software development, et cetera. So this is really all about, about trying to re bring multiple myeloma diagnostics up into the 21st century effectively. Right. So, so today, prior to this product, you're using technology or methods that are highly specialized. I want to make sure I understand this, that have been around for 90 years. And, and and now it's time to take a leap forward. Yep. And should should also wow. add that, that myeloma therapeutics are in a place at the moment where whilst myeloma is incurable, the therapeutics are now so good that, that patients can expect to live, depending on when they're diagnosed, you know, they can live well into their old age. They could expect to die of a different disease than, than their myeloma if it's well diagnosed and controlled. The problem that the clinicians have is that there just aren't the tools there for them to allow them to, to track how well these therapies are performing. And so things like early relapse are often missed um, because the techniques are so, so insensitive. And then the other issue is, is that if once a patient becomes negative by these electrophoretic techniques that we're talking about, these 90 plus year old techniques, the, the next tool in the armory of the clinician is to take a bone marrow biopsy. So is this is a surgical procedure to extract cells out of the patient's bone marrow. And there's nothing in between that space when the electrophoresis becomes negative and, and when the bone marrow is required. And so you're, you're potentially talking about you know, subjecting quite elderly and frail patients to an invasive surgery to understand whether their disease is, is present or not. And so quite simply, clinicians won't, won't do that. And so the, the, we saw that there was a massive opportunity not only to replace those uh, existing 
techniques that we're talking about, but also to create a bridge between where we are today and the need for these bone marrow invasive procedures. And really that's what Exent does is it provides a better diagnostic platform up front and then reduces the need for these bone marrow invasive procedures further down the line. Wow. So we're talking, I don't want to oversimplify here, but a relatively simple blood draw versus a surgery, like that's the gap, right? Between these two levels of granularity. And we're, we want to, we want to increase the granularity on the blood draw effectively. Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly it. I don't think that's oversimplifying it. at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, let's, let's talk about how Exit IQ actually does this. Can, can we walk through like what the product is and, and a little bit of the process and maybe some of the leaps in, in the, the techniques? Should start there, Tim. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Dive in, Tim. Um, I'll start. Maybe I'll start, Tim, and then you dive in when uh, we get into <laughs> some of the data processing stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so really, there's, there's three elements to the workflow. We, we look at them as prepare, analyze, and review. Three quite, quite straightforward steps. And in the preparation step, this is where we're taking the patient's blood sample and, and we're trying to purify out the molecules that we want to measure ultimately. And we do that with various specific reagents that we process. And then we want to, and it's a multiplex assay. So there are five different assays going on simultaneously for any patient sample. So it's quite a complex workflow. And, and the end of that process is that we have a sample that's ready to be analyzed by, by the mass spectrometer. And we've got a, our own specific set of problems in that prepare step because we've got one sample that goes through multiple processes with multiple reagents that all have different needs when they're in the assay environment. And, and what we really needed there was a software solution that could track all of that information for us, that could help us simplify that workflow for the, for the customer to make it digestible and, and also you know, de-risk it essentially so that this becomes just a almost like a turnkey operation. So, so in that prepare step, Exent IQ is really, is really helping us manage that, that workflow and that data that comes from there. It's making sure that the sample I put on right at the beginning is tracked to where it goes onto the moldy plate and that all of the controls and it, other elements that we need are all there and present and ready for us to move to the next step. Then once we've gone from the prepare step, we're ready to analyze it by the mass spectrometer. And there, we've got a whole new set of requirements of the, of the system software. So, so there, we, re, we realized quite early on that mass spectrometers are quite fickle instruments and they need to be tuned and set up exactly right. And so we kind of defined a, a, a kind of basic algorithm that would allow us using some controls to, to decide whether the instrument was in the right place for us to proceed with analyzing the patient samples. Um, and there, we kind of needed Exent IQ to control that logic and make sure that, and, and actually analyze data that was coming off the mass spectrometers in almost real time and make a decision as to whether we proceed to the next step of the analysis or not, or whether we should abort. And so that, in, in essence, when you look at our workflow, the mass spectrometry piece is the most important piece, but it's almost the most uncommentable because it's just a box that sits on the bench and doesn't, from the customer's perspective, appear to do an awful lot. But actually, that's only because Exent IQ is taking all of that burden on behalf of the customer. It's tuning the instrument, it's calibrating the data, it's analyzing the controls, and then giving us a real-time output that it's safe to proceed with analyzing the patient samples. And then, so all of that comes together, and what, what that builds up is Exent IQ is there to kind of manage that, that workflow. Then when we get the patient data into the software, there's some really critical steps. This is a really complex data set. 
that we need Tim and his team to analyze. Coming back to the biology for a second, we're looking at the whole patient's repertoire of antibodies that they that they have in their serum at any one time. That's actually 10 to the 9 to 10 to the 11 individual antibodies that are present. And any one of those could be the monoclonal one that we want to measure. And so, so it isn't a single clean peak that we see in the spectrum. It's actually it's, it's an incredibly complex spectrum that needs to be deconvoluted in a right way and, and to tell us which is the peak we're interested in and which is the bits we can we can choose to ignore. Um, and so there, Tim and his team have really developed some, some nice algorithms that, that work with our data that allow us to really identify what's interesting and, and which bits we can ignore and also help us to quantify the peaks that we the peaks that we observe. I don't know whether you'd add anything else to that, Tim. No, I think you summarized it pretty well. Um, it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of complexity, even if someone had the sophistication of a Dave Barnage uh, or other ones to to actually interpret the data once collected, uh, which is in itself rare. But on top of that, there's a lot of pieces here in terms of making this an operational activity where you can do this at some level of scale, because we are separating samples into five individual items, uh, so individual prepared five different ways. And then on top of that, you track all of those through the entire process, making sure that um, all of the reagents that were used were valid, uh, not expired or other, other kinds of management concerns, that the signals, as, as he alluded to, were calibrated properly and we get that information in. And then ultimately uh, present and combine those five traces of information back together into some semblance of an answer. And so... It would be a lot for someone to manage just to keep track of just the administration of it and the execution of it to bring this this whole result together. But turns out that's what software is good at. It's good at these types of clerical tasks if you can tell it the right thing. Uh, and it can keep track of these things for you and, and bring things to your attention when you need to and really lower the, the cognitive load on someone who's otherwise just trying to get work done. Um, and then bring their attention and their energy to bear on specifically the problem at hand, specifically the result in question, and not all of these other things that uh, we really have good tools for today. Um, it's just that you know technology is has got to pull its weight in terms of some of the software and other pieces to allow for these kinds of tests to be be brought out. So if I'm hearing some of this, it sounds like it's it's not only kind of lowering the barrier for folks that are in labs. As far as being able to to have uh, sounds like quicker maybe and a higher degree of granularity of information for this analysis, it's also maybe maybe providing a wider access to labs. You don't need maybe um, uh, more. I'm going to be general here. Care groups around the world may may not need as um, specialized folks. You keep referencing a, a gentleman by the name of Dave in every lab. You know, it's it's uh, it's kind of maybe lowering the barrier for folks and having them kind of maybe the tighten the signal to noise ratio. I mean, there, it sounds like there's a lot of gains here that are being had with this one. Uh, again, not to be oversimplified here, this this one product. It, it is a, it is a massive shift in myeloma diagnostics because there's so many aspects to it that are that, that will ultimately be game changing. You know, we're going from a position where a test that previously was required to come from the bone marrow can be taken from a serum sample. That there's higher sensitivity, there's higher specificity with the test, but that all comes packaged up in a way that is accessible to 
that the average user in an immunology lab, you know, you know, this is done by an immunology group and they are by definition not mass spectrometry experts. And so they don't have a Dave Barnage in every lab and they don't they don't have those that expertise. You know, to have that that simplification and management of the workflow is is incredibly important to make it actually a success and accessible to the people that really need to use it as a tool every day. I mean, that's that's kind of incredible. And thinking about the fact that we've been waiting 90 years for something like this, and you talk about this, this, this idea, the kernel of this product starting five years ago and been on a relatively quick journey through through that, right? Over the last well, five or set, five or six years, give or take. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, what's been the most surprising thing for you, Mark, in this journey? I'm sure it's taken a few, you know, turns here and there. I actually think the most surprising thing is is how much good can come from having um, two companies collaborate on something like this in a really synchronized way. I think we were we, we've been quite lucky to to be able to partner with Indigo from a perspective that I, I think not only were they a good Tim and his team a good fit technologically, I, I think they're you know actually a good fit in terms of the philosophy of the two businesses and the way they what they wanted to achieve. And so I think that's probably been the most surprising thing for me is how that's built and evolved over the over the time period and what we've then been able to what we've then been able to deliver together really i could never have envisaged exent iq delivering what it's delivering when we first met back in 2017 2018 whenever it was but at that point i think we we had an idea but i had in my mind something that was kind of going to be a little bit goofy and a little bit clunky because that's just what diagnostic software looks like and actually what we've got is is something that's that that really does what we intended it to do. Uh, it simplifies this really complex workflow, and it, it it makes the review of this super slick. And so, I think it's just surprising to me how far we've been able to get the product in that time period. So you're touching on something that I, I'm kind of curious about. So, you know, I feel like user experience is something that we talk a lot about in software. User research is still relatively new, I think, in 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 some software. Uh, uh, product companies, you know, h- how much of that has played an influence? You know, you talk about maybe a, a clunky experience for folks. Uh, how much is uh, user experience, user research played in kind of the development of of Exent? Yeah, it's a significant amount. I mean, obviously, we, we set ourselves a fairly strict design goal that this has to this system had to be usable by by technician level users, and um, and so they've. They've been at the heart of the thinking that we've we've gone through as we've been through every aspect of this product, not just in the way we've applied color coding to reagents and design engineering to the way these things are packaged, but but that's also moved into the way we've approached the software developments. And so we're lucky at Bind Insight that we've got a really extensive network of key opinion leaders and, and people that are willing to give up their time to help us bring this product to life. Um, and so we've been actively engaged with uh, these users all the way through, really. And in particular, Tim and I have done several sessions now with, with different customers where we've been trying to you know, really really get their buy-in to what this needs to do to make it usable by them and, and in an everyday context. So yeah, it's been been very much at the, the heart of the thinking, really. Awesome. Because it, you know, it sounds like, and Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious in your thoughts here too, you, you know, there, there's a physical product aspect of this and uh, a digital aspect of this product. And it's it's I would imagine it's hard to kind of blend those two things together in a way that's uh, seamless. Yeah, yeah, and and really, it's the product of not just the work that um, that we've been able to do and the refinement. Like we've had access to great 
great folks that are doing this now and have been very much on board with the philosophy of what we are trying to do and changing what is you know a current practice in a, in a laboratory, which is not an easy thing to kind of wrap your head around at times. But we also have been able to lean into a kind of extensive background of user-centered design that we've done here over the last decade. And you know, even my time before that in Beckman, and there's kind of a philosophical stance that we brought to this in terms of how we wanted it to feel for the user. How do you absorb complexity, right? In a way that doesn't uh, make someone feel out of control, that provides trust, uh, comfort, understanding of what's going on in a clear way. Uh, and there's an approach that, that you can bring to that that makes you kind of think about problems and how you solve them. So we were able to draw on all of that as well. So if we had to do all of this thinking and all of this learning just in the course of this project, we probably wouldn't have gotten as far as we did. Um, but we, we were able to like start with a huge head start of like, okay, we've been thinking about this problem for a while. We have a lot of lessons learned, philosophical stance uh, elements that we can now apply to honestly what is a more uh, complicated system and a more complicated problem than I've ever seen uh, in these kinds of settings. And and so we, but we were standing on the shoulders of work done before. And so that really helped out to lean into that. And then to to go back to the the customers and go, okay, how does this hit? You know, what did we miss? What did, what's not making sense? And continuing to get uh, that feedback. Uh, and then Mark and his team have been exceptional in terms of really doing a lot of the heavy lifting work to really go through the analysis to decide how to approach certain things uh, that then we could represent to the software where it immediately resonates with the, with the audience. They understand what we're trying to say. They know the critical things to focus on, what might be ignorable. They could answer those questions. And then we're able to roll that right back into the design. And so that that whole little loop that we were able to run and starting with a with a big head start uh, allowed us to get probably you know I'll I'll go and say as well as as Mark did it, we went a lot farther than I would have expected in terms of what we were able to accomplish and and it's what we're coming out with is in some cases you sometimes have to uh, be satisfied with something less than what you envisioned at the beginning and I think in this case. Uh, in many ways, even though there's always more that we could do, we're we're ending up with something maybe more than what we thought we would have uh, had when when we started out. That's really cool. Another thing that I'm I'm curious about, uh, we spent a few minutes on, are, are really about kind of the impacts or outcomes for the the laboratories. And again, I'm I'm going to be general here because I'm I'm not in in the uh, uh, biotech industry. Again, kind of these care centers, the the labs and and the areas where multiple myeloma patients would be cared for. I'm kind of curious, what do you what do you see as far as impacts for them as a, as a lab or as a unit? And then also, you know, my believe it or not, my stepdad actually passed away from multiple myeloma about 18 months ago, and so I'm kind of curious as a multiple myeloma patient in general, how might this impact them in the future or kind of going forward? So. We, we would split our value proposition for this down into to, to, to the three buckets you've kind of described there is and 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 you know that all of this needs to come together to, for the product to deliver value so I think you know the, the, the three buckets here the the clinician themselves the laboratory that's running the test and then the patient that's receiving the result and the clinicians is sat there in the middle and, and what what this is really giving them is a, is a is a tool that better describes the disease for the for the patient. First of all, by, by having greater sensitivity and specificity, 
they can follow the progression of the disease down to a much deeper level of response, which, which has a couple of different benefits. One, obviously, as we've touched upon before, it, it removes uh, the potential need for these invasive procedures to continue to monitor the disease. But it also gives them a, a clearer, better described marker for, to follow as, as they go through, the, through, that, through that pathway. From the laboratory's perspective, we, we've, we've now got a technology that, that, is, that offers all of that for the clinician, but is packaged up in a way that will just seamlessly fit into their existing laboratory workflows without too much disruption to what they're currently doing. And it's going to remove the burden for the need to use some of these really quite outdated, difficult to use techniques and allow them just, a, just an overall better workflow experience for, from that. And then the, all wrapped up, you come to the patient, there's clearly the benefits in terms of the lack of removal of some of those surgical procedures. But I think overall, where we really hope to see the impact is ultimately the whole suite of exempt assays coming together to, to provide them with a much simplified management pathway going forward, which helps to diagnose the disease earlier allow them to be tracked more efficiently as they go through their disease journey, to be able to detect relapse in serum rather than through, through bone marrow. And so that's how I would kind of summarize the benefits. I think, I think it's across the whole pathway and it's very much needed. I would agree with that. I don't know, Tim, anything to add on there? No, I think that, I mean, that captures it. And, you know, in the, in the kind of bigger picture for me, uh, I feel like this is overdue, not just in this mm. space, but in, in a lot of spaces. And I feel like, you know, it's time for technology to step up and do its part. It, you know, it, it does a great job of trying to addict us to our phones and all the other things that you read about. <laughs> but, but what about, what about this, right? What about people's lives? And I feel like there's just an opportunity and, and to some degree, the technology industry has to kind of own that and say, yeah, we're sorry we're late in many ways to this, this space and we can do a lot more in it. Because as Mark just alluded to, this is a collaborative journey, right? There's the clinicians, there's the doctors, there's the family, there's a lot of people that are involved in this. And even a result in and of itself is, is, is a collaborative thing. Uh, there are people that do the preparation and, and get all of those things loaded. There's people that do the review and get that data ready to go out. It goes out under the, the care of that laboratory and the, and the quality systems that they have in place. And technology is a great place to try to begin to, to make those collaborations easier to do, easier to get into more places uh, and easier to deliver to more people that need that. And so I see all of those, that, that holistic view, and this is where Mark kind of alluded to earlier, we're very much aligned as companies and our culture and our, and our values, what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to make these things work for people uh, and we're dedicating our own expertise and specialization to try to make that so. And so, yeah, I, I, this thing hits on all of those fronts for us in terms of it does hit all of those, uh, those areas. It is an opportunity for us to step up and, and do our part. And we hope that it's the beginning of inspires other, others to do the same thing. Well, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful testament to when you can collaborate closely across organizations, what great things can come from that. So kudos to, to both of you and, and both companies. I think that you know, again, a little bit of a per, of, of a personal bent on this, but I, I would imagine a lot of families are going to be are going to benefit greatly from this. So, I think that's great. So, I've got I've got one more question before we wrap up, if that's okay. And I'm going to see if I can tap into your crystal balls 
for what <laughs> might come in the future, right? It seems like, okay, we got, or 90 years later, there is maybe we're just in an era of capability, the right set of technologies and capabilities and science exist now to make this possible. What's next? What do you, what do you guys think of either, either in the multiple myeloma space or maybe even in the, the broader disease and cancer space? What do you guys think? So from our perspective, we've got multiple ambitions with this product and it, ultimately we've, we want to address the myeloma space first of all that's that's something that's that's very personal for bind insight that's where we that's where we our kind of culture and history is built from and and so we're not done there yet we've got some ideas for for for, for additional assays that will go onto this instrument that look at and explore other parts of the myeloma pathway and other parts of the disease and so we've got a couple of assays in mind there that we're starting to talk to Tim and the team about adding those on and we're already committed to to building those those different assays so they're they're already planned and we'll start scoping those out in in the coming year. Outside of that, what we really have is and the way we've tried to approach this from the very beginning is to give us something in in you know it's easy to use the, the phrase but a platform technology that that's really once you have that basic kind of infrastructure ready that it's easily then applicable across other disease states, other markers and so we're also looking at what other diseases we can apply using the same methodology and so we're looking at these are less formed ideas but other cancers other kind of diseases of the immune system where being able to take a marker and and track it with higher sensitivity and specificity that than you have been previously is, is really advantageous and so yeah we've got a lot of ideas it's kind of after the monoclonal gammopathy piece is going to be more a case of how how do we define what is next uh because the there's you know we've got a lot of uh, good people at the binding site that have all They've got enough ideas to keep us busy for for some time yet. So, uh, yeah, we we want to keep building. Yeah, I think you know mine is I'll, I'll say wishful a little, not necessarily because it's it's uh, out of reach, but it's certainly out of my control alone. In the sense of what what I would hope would happen, and and a lot of that has to do with really obviously the binding site is on board, right? And, you know, they're the company that's committed to this at such a serious level that they're willing to go first. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, it's a hard thing to, to, to stay the course over multiple years when you have a germ of an idea, just seed and letting it grow and all of the different turns and twists it takes. And anybody that's ever shipped a real complex project like this knows it's, it's a journey and it's hard, hard work, but it's super valuable work. And my hope that for them and for the work that's been done on this project, that it really starts to not just be successful for them in, in the platform ways and ambitions that they have, but also is an inspiration to a lot of other companies that are in other spaces, right? That are, have other specialties that are also locked up in this complexity uh, barrier, this, this bucket where they can't get it out to as many people because the technologies just aren't working together the way they should, or something like our signal processing or you know, other kinds of enabling technologies uh, haven't been created yet for them and what they're doing. But that once you see it done, you know, once you see an iPhone, <laughs> it, then all of a sudden things are different, right? Now, now that model makes sense. Now that technology seems in, in reach. And now my own ambitions begin to spin a little bit. Maybe my own investment, my own ideas about what could we do if we were to bring the same kind of enabling technologies in another space, um, what could happen? And as we start to embrace some of the realities of our role and the roles of technology and other companies like 
uh, whether it's biotech um, or you know, software tech or, or all of those things, what role can we play to like take and, and really enable some things that were locked up in research, locked up in academics, locked up in very specific specialized hospitals that do really sophisticated care? And how do we bring that to a wider audience? And it really is going to take people thinking about how to absorb some of that complexity and that sophistication back into these things that we can do. And so once you've seen it done, my hope is that other people get excited and, and want to do it too. And that they'll, they'll come up with their own ideas about how to do that. And there'll be other people uh, having conversations like this about how they've taken something that's a 90-year-old tech and they've, they've put it uh, up on par with what we're doing with our, our own communication technology and other things in other spaces. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for inviting me to have this conversation with you. I've learned a ton and uh, I appreciate it. I'm excited to see where the future goes from here. Mark, exactly. uh, congratulations on this product. Yes, thanks, Zach.